You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. We're down to the second installment of our current series called From the Upper Room. We've started this last week. If you missed our first installment, if you're wondering what this series is all about, here in this series, we're basically looking at the book of Acts. We're looking at the spread of the gospel and the rise of the early church. And as we look at these things, okay, may this greatly encourage us to move in faith and boldly proclaim the gospel wherever God has called us to preach it. Whether in our campuses, our workplaces, our communities, our own families, or perhaps God has called us to go to certain other places. May you know, looking at the book of Acts greatly encourage us to continue to preach the gospel. So in the first week when we started this series, we were looking at Pentecost. Okay, of course, no better way to start the series when we talk about the start of the early church, the start of the spread of the gospel, then with Pentecost, when the apostles were and the rest of the disciples were gathered together in one place, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them and empower them so that they may receive the power to be able to become effective witnesses for the gospel. And that happened to them. And of course, as Jesus told them, they were commissioned to go out there, to go to the nations, to disciple the nations, and to preach the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, for the second week, it's, it's entitled, The Miracle in Prison. We're going to fast forward several chapters in Acts chapter 5. So if in Acts chapter 2, nagsugod ang church, Peter preached a powerful word, 3,000 were added to the number. Now we're going to fast forward some time later. The church has grown, the ministry is ongoing, and we're going to look at how they are doing, what are they experiencing, and how the church has grown, how they overcame certain obstacles. So if you have your Bibles with you, can you turn it to Acts chapter 5, and we'll be looking at verses 17 to 32. I'm also going to be looking at other verses outside of this main text, okay, which is the previous verses in Acts 5, and also the ones uh, preceding after this. So, but mainly on these verses at the main passage, all right? So Acts chapter 5, verse 17 to 32, it says there, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in a temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with them, they called together the council, all the senate and of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. But the captain with officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in his name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our forefathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey. 
So again, Acts chapter 5. This is some time after the start of the church, after that amazing preaching by Peter, right outside of the upper room. They've grown. Well, many people have been added numerous times. And interestingly, in our main text today, in verse 17, it starts off with this confrontation. If you read through the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, you will see that a lot. Okay, mga confrontation. Especially with the early church, with the disciples, the apostles, and those people trying to stop them. In verse 17, it says here, The high priest rose up, and all who were with them, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. So just, just, just a little bit of context here. The high priest here okay, belongs to the party called the Sadducees. These are part of the Jewish religious leaders. If you notice, again, every time you read to the New Testament, there are several leaders of Jewish people. You have the Pharisees, a certain group of people, who are, you know, experts of the law. They teach the law to the common people. You have the scribes as well. They're kind of like lawyers slash record keepers or something like that. And of course, we have the Sadducees. The Sadducees are, again, one of these religious groups, mga leaders of Jewish people. And they were a wealthy, conservative political group, including the high priest, and they had ties to the Roman Empire, basically. So these are the people who tried to negotiate the Roman Empire. They had strong political influence. They're wealthy as well. And again, part ana ang high priest and high priestly family. And the captain of the temple as well, just a quick context, is basically like the second in command or the second rank to the high priest. So he's like the police force, ang captain of the temple. Now, interestingly, these people, the high priest, the Sadducees, those who were with them, Despite their status, their influence, their power, their wealth, it says here in verse 17 that they were filled with jealousy. Now, before we get to the reasons why, you might wonder, ano man? These are people with a status. They have the wealth, the power. If you look at Peter and the apostles, they were what? They were fishermen, tax collectors. One was a zealot, a revolutionary. Not exactly the, the kind of people na masuya ka. I mean, I mean, imagine someone who's affluent, wealthy, then suya ko ni Peter. Someone like a tax collector, an outcast of his own community. Why is that so? Why are they filled with jealousy towards this ragtag group of believers? Well, if you backtrack a bit, in Acts 5 verse 12, it says here actually that many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles as they were all together in Solomon's portico. Solomon's portico is a part of a location in the temple. And interestingly, it says here that many signs and wonders, meaning many miracles, people with demons being casted out, the sick being healed, the word being powerfully preached, and all these other amazing things, many signs and wonders were being done through the hands of the apostles. And we're talking about the same group of people who at one point, greater than them, at one point ran and hid because they didn't want to be associated with Jesus, and yet here they are now. After the baptism of the Holy Spirit, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, here they are, preaching the gospel, doing the ministry Jesus called them to do, and doing many signs and wonders. Why is this a big deal? Verse 14 says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. So as they were doing these amazing signs and wonders, it wasn't just like, Uy, grabe, amazing. That was people just left. Peter. Despite the strong implications of being a Christian, meaning it took a lot to be a Christian at this time because you could literally be killed, persecuted, cast out of your family. But the quotient commitment, basically, to become a believer, to become a Christian, to become a follower of Christ, yet despite that, there were all these multitudes of people 
were added. They're added to the community, added to the Lord as it says here. And in verse 16, the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So in other words, in summary, you have the apostles doing amazing ministry work. They had great success. They were doing many amazing things, as in wonders. People were flocking in from the different neighboring towns and villages, if you will, coming to Jerusalem, bringing people with them, bringing the sick, bringing the demon-possessed, so that they would be healed and casted out. And multitudes of people were being added to their number, added to the Lord. So grab it. In other words, the church was rapidly growing, rapidly increasing. Despite the possible threat of your life, despite the challenges, they were growing. They were having success, which is why when you go back to verse 17, it says there that the high priest and all those who were with them were filled with jealousy. Because again, we're talking about a group of people here who had strong influence, power, political power over the people or, or other, other people. And now, here comes a group of people drawing people to themselves. Okay, in their perspective, we nagagather sila, we nagadanghan sila. There are multitudes of people being part of this group. Kanyang mga nagafollow ni Jesus. Kanyang mga apostles nagadanghan sila. And they're literally at the temple, which is like the HQ, okay, if you will, of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. That's where the high priest does all the sacrifices, all those things. And they're there. They're preaching, they're teaching, doing all this amazing ministry work. Which is why they were filled with jealousy because of the growth of the church. And in verse 18, it says here, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. Now, the first thing I want us to understand, church, as we look at this story, uh, as we look at the miracle later in, in the prison cell, is this. There will be opposition to the preaching of the gospel. I want us to understand this. Because here's the thing. Last week, you know, when we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Perhaps you were greatly encouraged, emboldened. Wow, grabe. Peter, fisherman, uneducated, preached powerfully, 3,000 were added. Perhaps you were so excited to go back to your campus, your, your workplace, your family, your community, and you were like, yes, Lord, gamit ako. Perhaps bagura ka nag-attend one of our discipleship classes, or this year, nag-victory weekend ka, or you, you just finished one-to-one, you want to start doing one-to-one with someone, and, and or start your own victory group. You want to preach the gospel to someone or to a group of people. You go about your way, you're passionate, you're excited, okay, you, you've contacted people, you tried approaching people, and then days passed, and nothing happened. You tried to reach out people, text kanila, message kanila, wala mo reply nimo. You try to invite people, then suddenly, oops, ano man suddenly everyone's busy. Kunay mo yes, paggabot, pag on the day, back out anan. And perhaps for some of us, you've gotten frustrated. Ano man perhaps it's not for me. Why is it that preaching the gospel, discipleship, it's all working for these other people? Uh, sina Ryan, sina Kevin, it, it works for them. But for me, perhaps siguro, I tried na. Nag-try na invite someone. It didn't work out. Church, I want us to understand that there will be opposition to the preaching of the gospel. Yes, the Holy Spirit is there to empower us, embolden us. Yes, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. You will become effective witnesses. But Jesus never promised and said it will be easy. He never said, and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, every door will be open. Every heart will be open. No more, no more uh, opposition and all of that. Just open your mouth, easy peasy. No challenge. Jesus never promised that. In fact, that's the exact reason why we need the Holy Spirit. Because remember, ang mission field, 
Ngayon ni Jesus, siyang disciples were Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, he was crucified there. Judea, some parts there rejected him. Samaria, bad blood with the Jewish people, with the pure Jewish people. And to the ends of the earth, regarded as place of the Gentiles. Okay? They typically avoid you know, mingling with those people. The entire mission field is difficult, challenging. All the more nga, kailangan ng Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, Peter, the apostles, the disciples, they wouldn't have gotten this far palang sa Acts chapter 5 pa. He wouldn't have gotten out, preached to multitudes. Church, there will be opposition to the preaching of the gospel. We need to be ready and not surprised when it happens to us. When opposition happens to you, don't be surprised. I understand it can be frustrating, but don't give up. Opposition can happen in so many different forms. It could be persecution. Like in the case of uh, the, the apostles, right? They were sternly warned, in fact, not, not to do it, not to keep on preaching. Perhaps for some of you, that's what you're facing. There are people mocking you for your faith, ridiculing you, or telling you to stop, or perhaps rejection. You've tried all that you can, text, message, approach someone, invite someone to church, to victory group. You even had one-to-one first chapter and said, ah, no need. Or puri mag-stop na lang tani. Gireject, okay? Gireject yung invitation. Gireject. Bali pa na yung practice sa one-to-one of that. Gireject ka. Or restriction. You can't preach the gospel openly. Okay, there's a policy in your, in your office perhaps. Or in your campus. You can't just do so openly. Or perhaps you go to a different country. You can't just do so. There's some countries na you cannot openly preach the gospel. You will literally be imprisoned or be penalized for doing that. Or, you know, what happened when we had the pandemic? You guys remember that? Two, three years of you know, restrictions, not being, being able to have face-to-face victory groups, one-to-ones. We had to do things online, there limitations. We can't just openly go to meet someone, preach the gospel to that person. Or temptation. You want to reach out to someone and, and you're being tempted to not do it. Give up. Preach, preach, the gospel. Enjoy your life. Or just other worldly pleasures. Opposition can happen in so many different forms. We'll all face opposition, church. All of us. Whether you're a long-time believer, you're new to the faith, you're a tenured volunteer, you're new, you're whatever, we'll all face opposition. The question is, how do we respond? Just like when, when, when I preach about perseverance, about Elijah, how do we respond when these things happen to us? When we face a seeming roadblock in our efforts to preach the gospel, in our efforts to reach out the people around us, what do we do? You try to invite someone to your victory group. Ah, this is Pwedeng Thursday. Do you simply give up? Ah, okay. Din ako. Nag-try na ko niya once. Kapoy na. Kung mag-ghost sila niyo, kung nilang reply niyo, every time mag-reply ka, same same message, bye free ka. Bye when ka free. Bye free, makita. And no response, no reply whatsoever. What do you do then? Do you quit? How do you respond? Going back, going back to the story, a quick question for us. How do you think you would have responded if you were sent to prison for believing for Jesus? How will we respond in the face of opposition? Because all of us will experience that one way or another church. And we need to be ready. So that we will not be surprised, caught unaware, and you know, complain and grumble to God. Lord, what is opposition, my Lord? It comes with a package of the desire to preach the gospel. There will be opposition. The enemy will try to do anything and everything to stop you, hinder you, slow you down, discredit you, discourage you, everything that he can so that you won't go out there and preach the gospel. 
How do we respond to opposition? Now going back to our story, in verse 19, alright, nine prison sila, itakop sila, in verse 19 it says here, but during the night, an angel of the Lord appeared, opened the prison doors, and brought them out. Amazing. Despite the, the power, the influence, the connections, but the high priest and the, and the, and the Sadducees had, okay, ipresunan sila, contain them. Guess what? As so easy in, on that same night, not even days later, on that same night, they were rescued. Prison break. A miracle happened. And, and as we read a while ago, the main text, diba? When the guards went to check, the prison was fully secured. The guards there assigned were standing guard. It's like they just disappeared. No one noticed them. No one noticed the angel of the Lord opening, bringing them out. And they were not like one or two people. The apostles were there. So let, let's assume that all... 12, including ang replacement in Judas, were there. They were there and they were brought out miraculously. And here's one thing I want us to understand. The second thing I want, us, I want to highlight in this story. Yes, there will be opposition church, but here's the good news for us. The preaching of the gospel cannot be stopped. You will face opposition, hurdles, and all of these things. But here's a really good news, a source of encouragement for us. Delay must stop ang preaching the gospel, ang spread the gospel. The gospel cannot be contained. This is God's mission. Remember, who was it who told the disciples, go out there, preach the gospel? Go out there, make disciples of all nations. Who was it? Was it some random guy? A high official, a king, or some wise guy? No. It was Jesus. And a lot of times when we go to Matthew, and we remember Matthew, Matthew 28, we remember those words, go make disciples of all nations. But we forget the verse previously before that, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to who? To? To me. Not me, me, but Jesus. He has the authority, meaning when he told them, go and make disciples, he has the authority to tell them to do so. And if you work in a, in a company or anywhere, you know that the person authorizing you to do something matters. Like for example, if I were to go to any street right now, like in St. Paul's, crossing, traffic, Gabin traffic dia, especially 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. If I were to go there, and mo ato kusto nga sa traffic, and mayong kumuha ako signal dito sa mga truck, sa mga bus, mayong ko, hunong, no one's gonna believe me. If they were to ask me, why are you doing so? Why are you stopping uh, directing traffic? Who told you to do so? If I told them, ah, si Lloyd, nangingon na ako. <laughs> if I told them, Engineer Lloyd told me to do, to, 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 what? to facilitate the traffic here. Mayong sila, Lloyd. <laughs> he has no authority to tell us to, to, no, to handle the traffic here sa St. Paul's. Patiran ko nila. I-kick out ko nila sa, sa streets. I don't have the authority to do so. I will be stopped. I will be apprehended. And I can't just do so. I don't have authority to do so. But if, you know, let's say for the sake of discussion, I told them, ah, ginan ko sa LTO. Ginan ko sa gobyerno. I have this letter signed by the mayor, so-and-so, whatever, to do this, to officiate traffic, for this particular hour, then I have the authority and been given the power to do so. Well, guess what, church? Going back to the preaching of the gospel, who authorized the disciples to make disciples preach the gospel? Jesus. Why? He has the authority. And not just that, he also gave them what? The power to become effective witnesses. So the, the apostles, the disciples, the early church, they have, the, they have been given the authority and the power to preach the gospel. So who on earth can stop them in preaching the gospel? 
whatever the opposition, it may slow them down. It may try to intimidate them. But the preaching of the gospel cannot be stopped. Sadducees tried to imprison them. Same night, they were brought out, rescued, uh, taken out of prison. And there's another interesting thing about them. This isn't the first time Peter and the apostles were in prison. This isn't the first time they experienced like preso. This is Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 4, they were actually imprisoned already. Acts 4, verse 1 and 3, it says here, And they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, and Sadducees came upon them. They were doing the same thing previously, okay? Parang, you know, if you were watching a show, diba, sometimes they recap previously on keeping up with Kevin and Ryan or something. But this has happened, this is what they did. So here in, verse, in chapter 4, they were speaking to the people. They were preaching, doing ministry, doing exactly what they were doing in Acts chapter 5. And guess what? The, the priests, the captain the, the of the temple, the Sadducees, they came upon them. And it says here, they arrested them, put them in custody, meaning until the next day, for it was already evening. So this already happened to them. Before I continue, you might ask, why is it that the Sadducees are just so against these apostles from preaching teaching? Yes, they're, you know, they're filled with jealousy. Their ministry is growing. But it's also another important reason why they're so dead set against the apostles and the church. And that is in Acts 4 verse 2. It says here, they were greatly annoyed. Annoyed part this time. <laughs> because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Here's the thing about the Sadducees. They rejected a belief in the resurrection of the dead. They completely rejected it. They denied the afterlife, holding, holding that the soul perish at death. And they rejected the idea of an unseen spiritual world. In other words, they could not accept the gospel. Because why? It involved what? Jesus rising from the dead. A resurrected Christ. It involves resurrection. So they, they could not accept this. Or they would not accept this. So yes, they were jealous of, their, of the growth of the ministry, the growth of the church. But also because theologically, they were against what they were preaching. Contra nila ang preach teach apostles, early church. Shifting gears again, they already tried to intimidate, imprison the apostles, the early church. But guess what? They had to let them go because they couldn't imprison them for long or had them killed because signs and wonders accompanied Peter and the apostles. In Acts chapter 4, they actually healed a paralytic or a crippled man. Nagdugenagayo, 40 years old na siya. And people were praising God. Okay, in Acts 4 verse 21 says here, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because the people were all praising God for what they happened. They were afraid of creating a riot because the people were like, Gravis the Lord, through these people, nahil ang man. So if you, if you come in, arrest those people, imprison, put them to death, there will be a riot. So they just let them go and sternly warned them, don't do this again. But guess what? Of course, as we know, Acts chapter 5 happened, they went on and did the same thing as well. Padayon sila kept on preaching the gospel. Interesting thing, in Acts 5 verse 19, continuing with our main story, all right, they were brought out. Now, if you were one of the apostles, or you know, if I was one of the, one of the apostles, I would think na, I would have told Peter, all right, Peter, na, let's go to Judea. Let's, let's get away from Jerusalem. Let's go preach somewhere else. But the angel of the Lord told them this instruction, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Pertaining to the gospel, pertaining to words of salvation. Remember, what, what was the temple? 
That's where the high priests, the Sadducees, the Pharisees were. That's a dangerous place to be. And they just got them out of prison. And what was God's instruction for them? Go back to the temple. like previously. Again, if I was an apostle, I would think, uh, Lord, Peter, puti ato taglang lugar, puti tago sa ta, kadoon ata I mean, if something worse were to happen to them, the early church could be wiped out because all the apostles were gathered together. Imagine if in one setting, Walanas, Peter, James, John, Matthew, all of them killed. And yet, that was God's instruction for them. Go, stand in the temple, and speak to all the people. What's amazing here, church, is that because the gospel cannot be stopped, it goes to show us that of God's sovereignty and providence at work. Try as the Jewish leaders contain, scheme their way, try to, you know, do all that they can. Guess what? Because God is at work. This is His mission. This is His, but it's part of His redemptive plan. It will continue. The same thing would happen to Jesus. The Jewish leaders schemed to try and well, to kill Jesus. They plotted to kill Jesus, not knowing uh, that was part of the plan. <laughs> Whatever they aimed for evil, that was part of the redemptive plan that Jesus would die on the cross. That he would be crucified. Scheme, scheme, sila, plot, providentially. By God's sovereignty, he allowed it to happen because that was part of God's redemptive plan for mankind. And so we see it here the same way. God brings them out, tells them to go back. He's not afraid that must stop ang mission. He's not worried that the church would disappear and you know, perhaps all of them in one setting. Why? Because he is fully in control. And the gospel cannot be contained nor stopped. So going further, and in verse 21, it says here, when they heard this, and you know, credit to the credit to the apostles, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Can you imagine that? You were imprisoned twice now. You've just been broken out. And their response was, okay, back Miss temple, back ta. At daybreak, you've experienced, you have an important task to do the following day. But you try to delay your alarm as much as possible, add five minutes ka. Diba sometimes in when we don't feel like doing it, kabalukang kapoy, tedious, you know it's gonna take a lot of effort or something, so difficult. But sometimes we don't wake up very early to do it. Where for the disciples, at daybreak, they went to the temple and began to teach. They were unafraid, not worried that they were going to get imprisoned or possibly killed. They were like, this is, this is the mission. This is where God called us to preach and teach. We're going to do so. And before I continue with what happened after that, I want to share just briefly some stats, basically. If kanina, I mentioned that there will be opposition. It's called opendoors.org or Open Doors International. They're basically a ministry that helps churches and Christians who are suffering or experiencing persecution worldwide. Here are just some statistics that we took from their website. And namely, it says here that more than 300 million Christians suffer high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith. In last year alone, 5,621 Christians were killed for their faith-related, for faith-related reasons. One in, one in seven Christians are persecuted worldwide. One in five in Africa, two in five in Asia. And you have all those other statistics of Christians being murdered, Christians detained, meaning imprisoned, and churches attacked. I'm showing all these statistics, data for all of us to understand. Church opposition indeed truly does happen, even right now in our modern age. Meaning you are not an isolated case. If you're here, you're thinking 
perhaps there's something wrong with me. Perhaps the religion works out one gospel. Guess what? You're not the only one to have suffered opposition, persecution, rejection because of Jesus. This is worldwide. There are, again, millions of people who have suffered for the sake of Jesus, who have experienced that persecution, rejection, some of them getting disowned, kicked out of the family, attacked. Their churches, in fact, it says here, were attacked. All that happened. But despite that, still, the gospel continues to spread. Still, the gospel continues to uh, move forward. Their impact, basically. And that, yes, we have all this persecution, opposition that's happening. But despite that, um, this, is, this is from one ministry alone, not even counting every nation ministries. But from this one ministry, they're, they're still able to continue preaching the gospel, giving out Bibles to people, helping Christians nga nag-suffer and all of that. In other words, despite all of this, the gospel is still spreading. Despite all of these challenges, persecution, opposition, churches are still being planted. The, f- the, faith is, the faith is still spreading. In other words, church, opposition should not hinder us. Should not discourage us. Should not make us stop. So for those of you who are here, if you're facing any form of, of opposition, do not quit. Do not quit. Do not give up. Now, moving forward. All right. Verse 27 to 29. Cut the long story short. The cops again, but without violence because the, the Sadducees didn't want them to create another, to create a riot. So they were questioned, brought in to the, the, the leaders, the Sadducees. And it says here, when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charge you not to teach his name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. And what powerful words you need, Peter, that for him, no matter the intimidation, no matter the threat of humans, okay, whoever, whatever status, background a person that trying to stop, they will not stop. Because they will obey God's instruction for them. What God, what Jesus commissioned them to do, they will continue to do so. And I hope and I pray, church, that likewise, we would have that same passion and desire. That despite the challenges, we would choose to obey God. In Acts 5, verse 40 to 42, a couple of things, okay, were left in this story. Now in, in verse 40, it says here, when they had called in the apostles, they beat them, charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then let them go. So I didn't mention it here, and I didn't read it, but after this, while the Sadducees were deliberating, what should we do with them? Patun banato, imprisoned banato. They were afraid of creating a riot. One Pharisee rose up from, from the ranks, a well-respected Pharisee. In fact, it was the teacher of Paul, okay, the future missionary Paul, who told them, uh, let's just wait and see Muna. Okay, I'm paraphrasing. He says, don't, but be careful. Don't do anything like Muna because there were prior movements, movements that have happened now. Okay, he mentions two people. Okay, I forgot the name. Okay, but one of them was someone. But there were, there were, there were people who have risen up throughout history who gathered followers. Who, they were would-be messiah, messiahs. Okay, they, were, they claimed yeah, they would liberate Israel against the Romans. And he mentions two of them. And, and, and both of these movements eventually died out. Because it wasn't the work of God. It was the work of men only. And the point Nyato was, just, let's wait and see what's going to happen. If it's the work of men, it will die out. If it's the work of God, then it will grow. Okay? You might find yourself fighting against God. Now, a bit over, a major oversimplistic ang mindset ni Gamaliel, okay, ang teacher. But the point is, 
because of his intervention, they were spared basically. When they say spared, they were not killed or further in prison. But what happened to them was in verse 40, that it says there, they were beaten up. And when we say beaten up, it means to receive the 40 lashes minus one. In other words, in a certain set snap. Uh, twice, and once, same chest, and repeat that multiple times until 39 times na may tabo nimo. Kaya 40 lashes minus one. Kasi dapat divisible by three. Okay? Two here, one here. Not just that, but for some scholars, they say it's minus one because it's like igura ka na buhi. You're whipped to the point nga it, it's a really strong, uh, painful form of punishment. So they didn't just get off easy per se. If you think being flogged or whipped or beaten up was easy, they still suffered. They still suffer, they still experience pain. And yet, here's an interesting thing in verse 41. They left the presence of the council not dejected, not crying, grumbling in pain, not, you know, complaining na, not complaining to the angel of the Lord. <laughs> Lord, alam mo, kapanin ni Mudre. Awa lang na, nagsuffer alone, nagsuffer noon mi. Kato nakagawas mi temple, mas chada pa dato ko ni Dejumi, Judea, or somewhere else siguro. But interestingly, despite being whipped, Flogged or whatever you call it, beaten up. It says in verse 41, they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name and every day in the temple from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching but the, that the Christ is Jesus. Interesting. They experienced suffering and yet they were like, <laughs> rejoice that they were worthy to suffer for the sake of Christ. And I, wanna, I want us to understand this church. The third thing I want us to get here is that we must be willing to suffer for the sake of Christ. Because there will be opposition and because we know the gospel will continue to, you know, to spread. We cannot be hindered. We cannot be fully stopped. Despite the limitations, perhaps must slow down, perhaps there are difficulties, but we should not give up. And so this, this logically means, church, that we must be willing to endure, persevere, when persecution, opposition, rejection happens in our lives. In other words, we must be willing to suffer for the sake of Christ. Just as these people right here, grabe ang nila. We must be willing to do so. In our day and age right now, where it's constantly being advertised or bombarded to us, that we are to pursue a life of comfort. Na pag discomfort, ah, that's wrong. Okay, that, that's bad. Dapat, dapat comfortable. Dapat everything is okay. But guess what, church? If you follow Jesus, not everything will be comfortable. <laughs> if you want to honor Jesus, not, not everything will be, you know, problem-free. For, for, for if you've gone through, you know, one-to-one or victory weekend, you know that there will be storms in our lives. If you want to honor Jesus, you want to preach the gospel, there will be storms, there will be problems. We must be willing to suffer for His sake. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. Look at what he has to suffer. Verses 24 to 28 says here, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. This is the same thing you experience apostles. So yeah, five times siya naka-experience, Anna. I imagine that. Five times he beaten up. Three times he was beaten with rods. So rod, go. Once he was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day and a drift at sea. Kasi na rin nakatry na shipwreck. Naglutaw-lutaw kas dagat. Wala ka balo asa ka mapunta. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles. So, in danger of Jewish people, 
of Gentiles, meaning non-Jewish people, in danger in the city, in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, false Christians, in toil, in toil and hardship, from many sleepless nights, meaning kapoy, okay, uh, he, uh, long nights of, of work for the ministry, in hunger, thirst, sometimes walay kaon siya, in cold, okay, wala man winter dere, but sila, naman sa ilaha, and exposure, and apart from other things, there's a daily pressure of me, of my anxiety for all the churches. He planted churches, doing ministry in different parts of the world. Nasa anxiety nga, okay na ba rin sila? Kumusta ang itabuan ni, ni, kumusta si Timothy? Okay ba si Timothy? Kumusta si Titus and all of that? He had all these pressures. Meaning, this guy suffered for Christ. And this suffering for Christ is, is no, sabay. Unique phenomenon. If you are here today and you have suffered for Christ, church, do not be surprised. Do not, do not think that you're an isolated case. In fact, just like the apostles, okay, we should rejoice, counting ourselves worthy to suffer for His name, for His sake. Because here's the thing, church, anything valuable is worth suffering. Anything important, anything significant is worth suffering. Like for example, Next week is our Independence Day. I'm just reminded of this, diba? Our fallen heroes, people who fought for independence, died, suffered. Was it worth it? Of course, it was our independence. They were willing to die, willing to be imprisoned for the sake of our independence. Not just that, but for, for, for parents here, mothers, mothers especially, diba? When you went through childbirth, of course, it, was, it must have been painful. You've suffered pain. But that it was worth it. It was worth the joy you received after that when you held your baby for the first time. For the athletes here, when you train, you practice, di ba, kapoy? You, you do the drills. You, you, you have to exert certain effort para makawin ka sa, sa championship and, or whatever, the gold and all that. Anyone who wants to exceed in sports, any sport, has to put in effort and suffer. And suffer. And of course, for the students, to all students who graduated, or again, if you know someone who graduated, diba? Quote-unquote, you suffered. The sleepless nights, the times nga nag-cram ka sa project, buhat ka group project, nga walay mo tabang nimo, joke lang. <laughs> all those times, the quote-unquote, you suffered, you endured, you persevered. But when you graduated, you were able to get that diploma, throw your cap, and leave the halls of your school, it's like, it was worth it. Everything significant, everything important is worth suffering, church. And here we're talking about what is worth the most, and that is Jesus. The book of Hebrews reminds Hebrew believers not to go back being as, like Hebrews because Jesus, there's nothing else comparable to trading him for. If trade him with Jesus, if give up him with Jesus for something else, nothing else comes close. Nothing else is worth it. And so for us here today, church, I want us to understand, we must be willing to suffer for the sake of Christ. If we want to go out there, be effective witnesses, push the gospel, despite the opposition, and knowing that, you know, the gospel cannot be contained and stopped, we must be willing to endure and, you know, persevere. And I know several people who've done so. I remember I had the opportunity to go to a 10 day mission trip in Vietnam. In Vietnam, you can't just openly preach the gospel. You can't openly carry a Bible. <laughs> you can't openly wear, you know, shirts with Bible verses, Jesus, or something like that. But we had this one local in Vietnam. I think she's part of the staff. And 
one time kuyog me atomic campus atomic meet people paglingin ako sa t-shirt jesus <laughs> something i'm like aren't you afraid local pa juga <laughs> at least alis kami mo biya me after 10 days okay but she was wearing that shirt it was like no i'm, I'm not afraid i want to preach the gospel i want to honor jesus she was unafraid now whether that was the wisest thing to do that's, that's another story but point is she was unafraid she was willing to to suffer for Christ's sake and that's many of our stories in the mission field in other nations. Now you can't just openly have services, preach the gospel, or invite someone to a Bible study. They risk literal rejection, persecution. And yet they're willing to do that. To do that. Why? Because Jesus is worth suffering, church. Why is he worth suffering? Because again, remember, what did Jesus do for you? He granted us something of eternal value. Our salvation, our forgiveness of our sins. Our adoption to become part of God's family. All of that Christ did for us. He is worth it. So as I end, a couple of things before I end. What does this mean for us? We've heard that there's opposition, but don't worry. can be overcome. And we must be willing to suffer for Christ. Looking back at this story, what does this mean for us now? Two things and as I end. Firstly, for all of you who are here, who aren't, who aren't Christians, you have, you've just been invited. You've just been brought here for the first time. This is what it means for, for you. There is a call for repentance, an invitation to receive the gospel. We've been talking about preaching the gospel to people, preaching to other people. Well, guess what? Kakinsa ang gospel dapat mapunta? Who should hear the gospel? People who've never heard of it. Non-Christians. So if you're here today, you have not heard of the gospel. You have not heard of what Christ did for you on the cross. When he died for you on the cross, and granted you salvation, a new life in Christ, all that, there is a call for repentance, an invitation to receive the gospel for you. Acts 5 verse 30. And I know, and I know there's an invitation and call because in Acts 5 verse 30, it says, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. But of course, it wasn't just for Israel but for everyone who believes in the, in the name of Christ. Acts 4 verse 12 says, There is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Both cases of Peter's proclamations, we see him invite people, put their faith in Jesus. So for everyone here today, if you're not a believer, the, the invitation stands to receive Christ, to repent. And for everyone here as well, naman, the second group of people, most of us probably, the believers, the Christians, if you're here today, here's the simple encouragement for us. Keep preaching the gospel. Have the boldness to keep on preaching the gospel. Do not let discouragements, setbacks, oppositions stop you from doing so. The enemy wants to make you think, ineffective lagi ka. Para na nila Lloyd, para na nila Zara, para na nila kaninga person. Ikaw, dili ka pwede. Don't let the enemy tell you that you cannot do this or you've been disqualified to do this. Who authorized us, authorized us to preach the gospel? Jesus. Not the enemy. So keep on preaching the gospel. Acts 5 verse 42. Remember the apostles every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching. After being imprisoned, beaten up, threatened to stop, 
they kept on doing so nonetheless. Preaching that Christ is Jesus. And likewise, church, may we keep on doing so. Romans 10, verse 14, it says here, How then can they call on the one who they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Keep preaching the gospel because people need to hear the gospel, church. Far from it from us, na may moving tanga, abala sila, basta ko, okay na ko, enjoy ko sa akong walk with God, enjoy ko sa akong presence ni Lord, enjoy ko sa, now that I have a church family, bahala sila. No. If we want to be Christ-like, if we want to grow in our walk with God, I was telling this to our Leadership 113 class, we have a God who is compassionate. And likewise, we, likewise, we should grow in our compassion to other people as well. In other words, if you love God, naturally, we follow na, we would love people. And, from, and because we love people, we would want to preach the gospel. In other words, church, our motivation to preach the gospel is not out of a sense of duty only, or, or it's a because, because it's a to-do list. Like, ang gisugo kasi umama, ang buhatan ni, dapat before sundown or something. But it's stemming from love. We are recipients of God's love. And because we are filled with that love, we pour out that love to other people as well. And we want them to be recipients of God's love. Because we love people, we want to preach the gospel to them. As believers, we have a responsibility to preach the gospel. And the good thing here, again, is that we can, be, we can have the boldness to preach the gospel. Because Let me close with this. Acts 4 verse 8 says, Just like Peter, he was bold in preaching the gospel, gospel because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, as I said, when we when started this series, we can be effective witnesses, we can preach the gospel powerfully because we too have the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that dwelled, filled Peter and emboldened him to preach the gospel is the same Holy Spirit that's in you, dwelling in you, and can continually fill you up. In other words, church, again, don't give up. Continue to preach the gospel. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victorytumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.